This is Pet Life Radio. Let's talk pets. And welcome, welcome. You're here live with Dr. Jeff Werber, your host for the next 30 minutes here on Pet Life Radio's Ask the Best with Dr. Jeff. We're here for you. We're here for your pets. So if you have any questions, anything you want to talk about, please feel free to join us here live. You have a couple of ways of doing that. Number one, the good old-fashioned telephone, 877-385-8882. Once again, 877-385-8882. Better yet, join us here live on Zoom. And also for my Instagram live audience, you guys can do the same. You can join if you want to join me, I can't do it on Instagram, as I said, because I can't undo you. And uh, if you don't hang up, then you're stuck there and it splits the screen and uh, it annoys other people. So if you want to have questions for me, you want to join me here live, please do so. So just go to PetLifeRadio.com and you click on shows, go to Ask the Vets with Dr. Jeff, scroll down and you will see a link there left for you by our producer, Mark. Click on the link that is Zoom Live Zoom. And um, we are, um, we're good to go. We can join us here live. So as you know, first of all, I hope everyone's having a good Hanukkah. Uh, this is day seven. Tomorrow's the last day. And, you know, it's often because the calendars are different. Oftentimes next year, it's going to be sitting right on top of Christmas. This year, it actually was very early around Thanksgiving. That's another discussion. If you're ever interested, I can explain why that happens. So uh, um, I hope you're keeping your pets away from the uh, the fatty foods, the latkes, away from the candles, all the things that can be dangerous, especially tonight. All eight of them are getting lit. And so it's going to be it'll be pretty bright and a lot of candles. So you want to be careful anyway. So where did this new variant come from? This Omicron? We have, I mean, what would be our show without talking something about COVID? So uh, here we go. So the new variant, it's probably stemmed from, are you ready for this? It's interesting, mice and rats. And you're saying, what? what? Mice and rats? Turns out that rodents were resistant to all the other forms of the viruses. And there were seven mutations that have since been found in the evolving variants. And they found that the Omicron has all seven. And they think that that may have been stemmed from the infection going into mice and rats. So again, these animals did not really show clinical signs. Speaking of which, you know, just to, uh, to talk about the virus, because we do often talk about it here on the show. And that is, remember a couple of weeks ago, we talked about the eight cats from the St. Louis Zoo. Well, all eight of them are doing fine. Interestingly, there was a new vaccine that was being tested on these animals. Some of them got the first dose. Some of them actually got both doses. And the good news is that they feel that the reason why these cats were not sicker, and a few of them still have some residual sneezing and a cough, but I mean, they are basically all fine. They're eating, they're, they're afebrile. So that's all good stuff. Um, and that is, that is because of the vaccine. So um, I believe it's a Pfizer vaccine. Pfizer was a, a big veterinary company. As a matter of fact, Pfizer Animal Health broke off into its own company. And I think the original Pfizer is still a part, has a percentage of it, but it's called Zoetis. And so when you see Zoetis products, they were formerly Pfizer and uh, Pfizer Animal Health. It was actually Pfizer. Their animal health division was one of their hottest divisions. So the good news is those big cats are doing very well. So one of the story that I read that I thought was very interesting, and that is that pet maintenance issues, it turns out, is very individualized. And by that, I mean, I'm sure anyone who's in rescue work, anyone who works at a shelter knows that there are difficulties for some people caring for some animals. And what they're finding is, is that there is a lot of variation within 
what does someone consider like too much work or too difficult when it comes to pet care, the husbandry part? And it turns out there's a lot of variation. So when an animal is brought in or is relinquished to a shelter situation or looking to be rehomed because of issues, for them, those aren't issues for somebody else. So be very careful if you are working with in this world, the shelter world, the rescue world, the rehoming. If someone comes to say, oh, there was just too much maintenance, too much this, too much that, that's very individualized. So don't automatically think that it's going to be a difficult animal to replace or rehome because chances are for someone else <laughs> sitting there and brushing a long-haired dog every day is going to be therapeutic for them as well as for the dog. So they may feel this is great because that's a great bonding experience. So, so um, I thought that was really cool to learn that you know what's good for the goose isn't always good for the gander. For French Bulldogs, today at three o'clock Pacific time, I'm doing a French Bulldog Live on the French Bulldog uh, Love uh, website and, um, or Loves French Bulldogs. And um, so if you go onto that website, uh, you'll be able to join me live. We'll do a Q&A. So um, that would be uh, wonderful to have you join me. And just so you know how committed I'm going to be with this is that 105 is kickoff at the Rams game, and I'm going to be there. <laughs> and come 3 o'clock, which is probably just after halftime, or where I have to find myself a quiet nook, which might be very difficult to do. I'm bringing my iPad. I'm bringing my, my ear pods. And um, we're going to do uh, this live Facebook Live event. So, uh, yes, I am committed to our French Bulldogs. So this is also a cute story. You know, they, they always, you hear about this with baby names, you know, how there's some names like that are in vogue, right? Like it, it just happens a lot. I know Brandon, my son's Brandon, for a while, that was like a hot name. Um, I have no idea what's the newest and the latest and the greatest. But when it comes to animals, here's what we had. So, and this was a tight race between when it comes to dogs and there's a split between the dog and the cat. And because in this tight race, the one name won over in the dogs, but not in the cat and the cat, the other name won. And that is this. So Bella, Bella beats Luna in the dog world. And that was the, the, one of the top dog names. Who they find this? I have no idea. What are they going to? There are 80 million dogs in the U.S. What are gonna, they're, someone's going to take a poll. So get on the phone or send a text. Who knows? But Bella beats Luna. And but in the cats, it's Luna beats Bella. So um, if I have five cats, five dogs, no Bellas, no Lunas. So I, I would be the wrong person to ask when it comes to this little challenge. But I can tell you that the top cat is Luna and the top dog is Bella. Here is also a statistic that I found. Well, not surprising to me for any of you. It's not news to me, as I said, because anyone in the veterinary industry knows this. And you know, one of the problems I think we're having with veterinary shortages, obviously we talk about the change in lifestyle of the graduate veterinarian. We're talking about COVID. We're talking about more animals. We're talking about maybe a lot of, because of the time, more time spent at home with your animals, you are seeing more issues that are leading you to the veterinarian by the very, very poor efficiencies at the veterinary level in how to handle these cases, how to handle COVID, how to handle curbside. There are many, many mistakes being made. And therefore, I mean, whereas I'm seeing, oh God, 35 to 50 pets a day, some of these hospitals are seeing 15 because they're, they're just not doing it right. It's so frustrating to me to hear. I mean, the good news is, is it like tomorrow alone, tomorrow morning, just to say how crazy it is, of all my appointments tomorrow morning, and there are many, eight new clients. Trust me, they're not coming to me because of me. What they're doing is they're getting on the phone. I just talked to a woman last week who came to see us. Her name is Emily, will be a fantastic client. She had pets before. She gets a new pet. She calls her vet. 
And they say, I'm sorry, we can't see you till the end of December. So she gets out. She goes, end of December. I have a brand new puppy. And these vaccines. And I'm sorry, we were not seeing. So she goes, literally, I went on the internet and I marked down every single animal hospital within two miles of our home. And we called them, not seeing new clients, not until several weeks. And she goes, and when we called you, you had us come in actually the next day. And so, you know, again, I can't say no. How do you, how do you wait, make somebody wait with a new puppy two weeks, three weeks, four weeks? You can't even wait two, three days sometimes. And that's the problem. I find that, I don't know, they, maybe the veterans don't want to work, which is okay. Yes, it's a work-life balance. Um, I think certainly things have changed over the years. Maybe my balance was skewed a little bit more to the work. If I ask my kids, they might agree. But, uh, but uh, now some of those patients, I'm seeing are my kids' dogs and cats. So, you know, it's like it, it, it all balances out in the end. They're, they're getting me one way or the other. The, the joke was they were going to get a pet so they can bring it in and see me more. So uh, <laughs> it worked. Anyway, but that's, that's what's going on. So dentists, chiropractors, and of course, veterinarians seem to have what they call the highest student debt to salary ratio than any of the other professions. And what that basically means is that A, it costs a lot more to go to these schools, maybe, but more importantly, you're not going to make as much. So for any of you that are thinking, you know what? I'm going to be a, make a killing. I'm going to be a veterinarian because I'm going to get rich. You might want to reconsider and think about something else. Look, I'm not complaining. There are certainly ways to, to do well in this profession. But, you know, when you look at debt to ratio, so the average veterinarian, now, mind you, this is average across the nation. So I know of numbers even higher than this, but it was $179,000 in student debt. I know some students, but we know when you weigh everything, including living expenses and all that, it's more like 250000 So here you are, you're graduating, you're $250,000 in debt, and it's going to take a long time to pay that back. But tuitions are crazy. When I went to vet school, and this is, for anyone who's a pre-vet out there or knows somebody who has a child that's thinking of going to vet school and you're already figuring out, how the heck am I going to pay for this, right? Uh, you better be really well in school, son, because, because um, you're going to have to get uh, scholarships because I can't afford it. So tuition at Davis. Now, mind you, UC Davis is number one vet school right now. It was one of the one in the US. Now it's number one in the world. And where I went to vet school, you're going to kill me. My tuition was $500 a quarter, $1,500 a year, four years, $6,000 total, total. And to send my kids to kindergarten for one year was more than $6,000. And here I was four years of the number one veterinary school in the world, in the country. And it was 6,000 total. Of course, there were living expenses and you have to equipment and all that stuff you buy, but just straight tuition. And I actually, even though I was really stupid as an undergrad at Berkeley, I did really, really well in vet school. And I was in the, they used to have an, an award. It was called the George Hart Memorial Scholarship Award. And they give it to the top 10, 12 people in the class, 10%. Our class was 128. So the top 10%. So in my year, it was 12 people got, were George Hart Memorial Scholars. And I was one of the 12. What was our stipend? $500 a quarter. So I actually went to school for free as far as tuition, but uh, it's gotten insane. And even in-state, even in-state schools are extremely expensive. Davis now is expensive. They're all expensive. So um, it's crazy. And understand that a lot of the private schools even have to, because their vet schools are, take up so much land that they are on government or state-owned land. So they have certain things that they have to do, even though they're completely private. So anyway, it just makes it more 
more confusing. However, I will say this, and this was the end of this little story, that even still, the number of qualified applicants to the accredited veterinary schools, actually this past fall, rose 5.5%. So that's good news. I mean, a lot of people want to be veterinarians. If you're doing it because of the passion, which you should be, I will tell you that there's no doubt in my mind that I made the right choice. I mean, I'm in my 38th year, and it was like I started yesterday. I absolutely love it. So, all right, time to go on a quick break. When we come back, we have some more things to talk about. We want to talk about the holidays coming up, puppy scams, and also DNA tests, and any questions you have. There was one about AirVet and prescriptions from Deb, and I will cover that as soon as we get out of break. We'll answer that. So don't go away. We're back after these short messages for both my Instagram Live and my Pet Life Radio. See you in a minute. So, you know, I'm always perusing what's going on in the pet world and I attend all the pet conferences. I came across a company I really like called Carlson Pet Products. It's family owned, very affordable stuff, and they specialize in creating pet safety products to keep your pets, you know, happily protected from the puppy stage all the way through their senior years. And they have tons of products. They have pet pens and folded elevated pet beds. They have crates, pet gates, etc. And um, I love their portable pen. First of all, they're very lightweight. You can fold them up. They have a little carry bag for storing. So they're really so convenient for you to use. You can use them for at home. You can use them for traveling. Or let's say you're just heading someplace down the street and you want to keep them protected. I think it's great. So the pet pens come in two sizes. You have a six panel and an eight panel. And so basically you get ample room to explore. And you can add also an attachable canopy. So it creates like a shaded area to protect them from the sun. So for more information, you can visit them at carlsonpetproducts.com. You'll get 25% off your order plus free shipping. If you use the promo code PETLIFE, that's P-E-T-L-I-F-E. You're going to love them. Let's talk pets. Let's talk pets. On Pet Life Radio. Pet Life Radio. PetLifeRadio.com. <laughs> All right, so we're back as my house phone, which I never use, was ringing. You know when the house phone rings, it's usually some sort of scam call um, or somebody who you know, wants to sell something to you because everybody has my cell or my wife's cell, so no one's calling us on the house phone. Anyway, before the break, uh, Deb asked a question about prescriptions on AirVet. AirVet is the telemedicine platform that I'm involved in. I uh, co-founded. My son, Brandon, runs it. He's doing an amazing job. And we are number one in the industry, which is great. So most states have what's called a VCPR, a veterinary client patient relationship requirement in order to prescribe or to diagnose or treat online, virtually. So if for Deb, you, because you're my client, yes, you know, we do it to call. I see what's going on. I say, yes, we can prescribe something. I can call in the pharmacy or you can go online to, you know, Covetris's Vets First Choice or to VetSource or to Chewy or 800 Pet Meds. And they will send me the alert that I need to approve and I'll approve. If you are not a client of mine or I haven't seen you to develop a VCPR, and unfortunately right now, now we're working on changing this, but right now, the only way to establish a VCPR, a veterinary client patient relationship, is through a hands-on exam. So if I don't have a hands-on exam, at least once, it used to be once a year. Now, because of COVID, they've extended it to 18 months in many states here in California. It's 18 months. Then I can't prescribe. So what I typically will do is I can't make a diagnosis. I can't suggest a treatment if I don't have a VCPR. Now, I can tell you, if you call me on AirVet and I see what's going on, it's all video. So I could see whatever, the limp. I can't tell you to try with this medication or that medication, but I can say, you know, interestingly, I had a patient last week, almost identical, identical 
presentation. And what I told them to do was, and I will give them what I told my client to do. And you, of course, can extrapolate from that and say, oh, okay, I get it, doc. You didn't tell me what I have, what I should do, but you told me what you've done before with your own clients. And um, anyway, so that's, that's kind of you know, where I'm at. So that's the best way we can do it. Now, here's the important thing. And I have had to take advantage of this in the past, depending on the medication and what's at stake and what the, the signal is and the, and the presentation is, if I deem this an emergency or that without the ability to get legitimate pet care within several days because of COVID, I can bend the rule and prescribe something. I obviously not a controlled substance that I can't do. But if it's an antibiotic or it's an ear medication or an eye medication, I have done that before and justified by the fact that this animal was in severe pain or suffering without it. And they couldn't get in to see their vet for, you know, five days or a week, which was the case early on, earlier on in, in the COVID thing. So I can get away with that. I, as I said, I admittedly probably pushed the envelope a little bit farther than I probably should have or could have legally. But like I would say to the client, they, they, they're looking at me as their savior. I'm giving them help. Nobody else would. And I said, look, I can do this, but if you tell anybody, I'm going to have to kill you. So, so uh, it's worked. So typically we need to have the um, BCPR, veterinary client-patient relationship. So that's why I encourage anyone who has a veterinarian that they really are happy with, that is not on the AirVet platform, tell them about AirVet because that way they'll be able to A, handle you uh, virtually. You don't have to take the, as, as much time. You don't have to go there to the office. They don't have to have you come in. They can save that time slot for something that's much more serious, and yet they can take care of you. So it's a no-brainer in my book, but it is what it is. All right. So, oh, holiday time. You are maybe now thinking about, about what to do, what you can do. How about giving this wonderful family who have small kids a puppy? Well, guess what? Not so fast. Don't give animals as gifts. Unless you know, unless it's pre-planned, the parents, they're involved with it if you're getting an animal for kids because it could be disaster. It not could be. It usually is disaster. Uh, It takes a lot of planning, a lot of preparation. We don't even know if it's going to, you know, if it's going to work out. Yes, it's a sweet gesture, but it's not a a wise thing to do. Don't give animals as surprise gifts for families. It's not going to work out. Speaking of puppies, this puppy scam thing, we talked about it was the last week of the week before. It's getting out of hand. Check this out. This is amazing. Nearly 300 Texas residents have collectively lost more than $225,000 this year alone on online pet scams. It is really a serious problem. So what to look for? First of all, sellers who want payment right away, either in cash or in gift cards, all right? And they want it done electronically even prior to shipment, even as a down payment. Sellers who won't provide any certification or any health records. What I tell people to do is this. Um, First of all, if this is legit, most of you, you don't have to have a a, a telemedicine platform, just FaceTime. And you can do FaceTime and you want to see the mom and mom and dad if they have it. You want to see the litter. You want to see the facility. You want to see where they're at. Is it disgusting? If they say no, oh, I don't have it. They they, They start giving you BS excuses. Then don't do it. Don't do it. And here's, I also say, you talk a little bit about the puppy. And then as an afterthought, oh, by the way, I forgot. I said, I need your veterinarian's name and phone number. If they don't have it right at their fingertips and give it to you, don't trust them. There's no way any breeder or even a backyard breeder, even a random mistake where there's now puppy, this dog had a a litter because she was mounted at a park. She's going to have, or he's going to have a veterinarian. And if they don't have a vet, you do not want them. 
because that means these puppies were never seen, were never vaccinated. And so it's a problem. And as this case that I just got last week, uh, as I told you about this new client, this dog was supposedly eight weeks. <laughs> well, guess what? This dog was not eight weeks. And so they want to get rid of them. They can't ship them or send them until they're eight weeks. So there's one garbage after another. So these are things that you don't, if, if they are not willing to do those things, let you go on FaceTime, give the name of their veterinarian, see the other puppies, see, then you do not want to trust them. Do not send them a dime or ask for their website. If it's legit breeding situation, a legit breeder, of course, they're going to have a website. And if they don't have a website, Again, don't trust them. You are going to get scammed and it's happening all the time. Just ask any of these 300 people in Texas what they did, whatever they did, make sure you don't do the same thing. Okay, next up, pet DNA tests. You know, it's cute to know what your pet is. You know, a lot of times, I mean, for example, one of my dogs, and I did not do the DNA test, but one of, uh, we know her name is Georgie. She's a Chinese rescue from Yulin, from the meat market, who came here with two siblings, another female and a male. And oh, by the way, we got them all together. We had a little meet and greet. It was really, really cute. So to me, she looks like a Lhasa. It made sense. It's a breed that we see from that part of the world. And I said, that, of course, that's that. she's got Lhasa in her. Apparently, my friends who have her sister, Peanut, they did a DNA test, no Lhasa. So you never know. So yeah, would it be interesting to know what, what's in there? Of course it would. But the reason really to do it is not necessarily just you know to know what the breeds for the knowledge. It is, are there any genetic issues or problems associated with, with these breeds that we need to know about for the future? And that's where it comes in handy. So I know there was a, an article written by a woman who's a writer who did her own DNA test and said, you know what, we should, I'm just curious, you know, we do it for us, find our family, genetic issues, why not do it for, the, for uh, animals? And she did it for her dog. And there were some actually breed risks uh, that she learned about that might come in handy as her dog gets older. So um, I think that's really cool. And uh, this other story is about, actually, it's, it happens to be, and I did not know that they, they never even told me about this one. One of the rescues I work with here in LA is called Wags and Walks. And Wags did this thing. Is it a little corny? Maybe. I don't know yet. So, and that is matching personalities of the dogs and cats they have in their rescue and their shelter to knowing the astrological signs of their adopters. So, so what they're doing is they're starting to keep a log and there's a website they do that square something or other. I don't know the name of it, but they are now trying to match the right pet for you, not just based on the family and the kids and how much space you have and your lifestyle and how much time do you have to go out and play, but also your astrological sign. They've been keeping statistics of what seem, what kind of dog, what personality seems to work with this sign. Personally, it's coming from someone who doesn't really believe that stuff. So, you know, I, I'm told I'm a Sagittarius and I'm told that I am a classic Sagittarian, whatever that means. I do know one thing that Sagittarians usually love pets, love animals. So that, I guess I fit in that way. We're supposedly pretty outgoing. Maybe I'm not sure. So anyway, I'm a Sag apparently, but since they've been doing this, this is, this is what I found interesting. So it's a great business move. Their applications for fostering these pets and maybe ultimately adopting has gone up 20% since mid-October. So obviously, it doesn't make a difference what Dr. Jeff thinks. Enough people out there think that's really cool. And they are now submitting applications so they can, uh, so they can do this. So uh, anyway, I thought that was pretty cool. Right, let me just see if there are any other questions here. Can my puppy walk in the hood after his third shot? Yes. Anytime we have the vaccine series, and this is a new puppy, my sister's, who, by the way, this dog is so adorable. As I would say, my line is, it's stealable. So you got to be careful, Beth. 
Anyway, so whenever we do the puppy series, here's my basic recommendation. So eight weeks, I like the vaccines at eight, 12, and 16 weeks. So come eight weeks, that means you can start doing, you want to do play dates, dogs that you know, well vaccinated, but, but really still stay in a somewhat controlled environment. After the second shot, 12 weeks, you can start now. And now when I say after, I mean four to five days after, because it takes a while for the shots to kick in. After the second set, you know, you can take a walk in the front of your house, the neighborhood, of course, avoiding dogs you don't know, and avoiding poop in the ground. If you have a neighbor that's not really good at picking up after their dog, and you see something sitting there, you want to pull your dog back. You don't want them that, that kind of direct exposure. After the third shot, which is 16 weeks, again, five days, four or five days after, then you can start going to more public places. So the answer is, after the third shot, can you start walking around in the hood? Yes, you can. And you can even go to maybe a, a dog park. Now, but here's the thing. It's not so much what's safe for the dog. It's what they recommend or require. And a lot of dog parks, for example, want rabies. And now them, at least here in West LA, because of the lepto problems we've been having and the, the canine flu, the influenza, they're requiring all those shots. Well, now we're giving a lot more vaccine. And I don't like giving too many vaccines to any one dog in, at one time. So we're trying to split them up a little bit. So what I might do is give, wait until like the final set to give the lepto or influenza, and then wait four weeks, three to four weeks later with the rabies to give the second of those shots. Again, giving them too much all in one day, I think is a little, a little bit much. So, and not, by the way, not because the immune system can't handle it. We've talked about this before. It turns out, and I spoke to a veterinary immunologist and a human immunologist, the body's immune system can handle a million antigens at once. That's not the problem. The problem is when you give a vaccine, you're giving more than the antigen right, that is an attenuated, right? Um, so it's not, it's not, is no longer effective in, in the dog or if it's killed in the case of a, a bacterium like lepto. But what the, the issue is, all these vaccines are in some sort of vehicle, a carrier, and you have the liquid, you have the adjuvant, you have the preservative. That's what, when we get these reactions, that's what's typically causing the reaction. And I will tell you, for all of you getting a lepto and you do want to have it, and my dogs all have it, it is, of all the vaccines that we give, that's the one that seems to be associated with the most vaccine reactions. So just know that it is potentially a problem. It's not so bad that you should not give it. Um, we, we definitely want you to, to give it if you're in an area that, that where it's prevalent, but just know if the dog is very sore to the touch, if it cries out, if it doesn't want to move for a day or so, maybe seems to have a little fever, it's normal. For those of you who had, have had reactions to the COVID vaccine, a friend of mine I just talked to this morning got his booster, and he had the same reaction that he's had with his first and second. He had the Moderna, and um, a pretty bad reaction. So everybody's different. I did the Pfizer's. I had no reaction, but everybody is different. So anyway, keep that in mind. But I do recommend for sure getting those vaccines if you are at risk in the areas that you live. All right. Anyway, that's all we have time for today. Um, any questions you may have, if you are Frenchie owners and you want to go to the, go to the Facebook, I think it's Loves French Bulldogs site. Um, I have it written down somewhere. I don't even know where I'm going. I just know that it was, I entered it into my search bar. So now when I click on Facebook Live, it's the first one there. So that makes you happy to remember. And um, anyway, so that's going to be three o'clock Pacific time, three to four. And if it's noisy in the background, it's because I'll be at SoFi Stadium watching the Rams hopefully win. They've lost two in a row. And, and that's about it. That's all we have time for. If you have any questions, you can always reach me. You know how to reach me either here on AirVet or Dr. Jeff, drjeff.com or drjeff at petliferadio.com. And all those emails come to me as well. So there's no excuse when you say, oh, I couldn't get a hold of you. 
no, you didn't try hard enough because I have three different emails that you can get me at. Um, I have Instagram. Um, so I have AirVet. Plenty of ways to get a hold of me. All right. So have a great week, everybody. We'll see you here next week. Same time, nine in the West, noon in the East, and anywhere in between. And uh, if you have any questions anytime, let me know. Otherwise, have a great week. We'll see you next week. Bye-bye. Let's Talk Pets, every week on demand, only on PetLifeRadio.com.